Hi guys, welcome to this morning's Fife Property Show. So today we're going to be talking about building a portfolio of popular and profitable lettings in Fife. This is what it's all about. I'm possibly going to share my secrets. You can, you've got an opportunity to ask me questions as well. More than happy to answer some of these questions. Some of the questions in, I won't be able to fit into an hour's slot, really, re the reality, because once I start talking about this subject, I kind of get carried away. I get so enthusiastic about this. This is a numbers game at its primary source. And it's easy to be really efficient in doing this all the way through. Success leaves clues. I've been doing it for 27 years. So you decide. Makes no difference to your life, to my life, to my lifestyle, what your lifestyle is going to be. So if you want to take this on board and you want to listen to it, it's entirely up to yourself. Um, okay, guys, I've got uh, today's guest. Um, we've got Richard Cook, who's the lettings director. Morning, Jim. Hiya, how are you, Richard? I'm good this morning. Excited for this. Should be good a lot stuff. I uh, mm. put on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but hey ho, here we go. Um, and Karen, uh, Karen Marshall, uh, letting agent. So, Karen, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. Uh, on cloud nine just now. So let's kick this off then. So, do you think it's impossible to be popular and profitable as a landlord? Perhaps you feel that one cancels out the other and it's a choice between hard-nosed business and being nice and that the two are fundamentally incompatible with each other. Well, you wouldn't be alone with their view, but it's perfectly possible to have a successful rental portfolio that's a commercial success while being on excellent terms with your tenants. Um, questioning how your rental properties uh, could be popular can help you increase your returns by owning a collection of in-demand houses that people really want to live in. Over the years, I've had occupancy rates of 99.9%. I've even had one property where I've had a 120% occupancy rate. Worked that one out. But I knew the formula how to do that. Okay, so growing your rental portfolio can provide you with a secure financial future and provide many people with a wonderful home. I mean, that's the key here. You are providing a home. You're providing a service. This is not about making money to a degree. It's primary about providing a first-class service and a first-class property. The money is incidental to how you do things, and it flows as a natural result of what you're doing. So put the people before the pound, if that makes sense. Now, a lot of property investors out there will teach an entirely different strategy, but this is how I've been so successful over the years. The people come first, the pound comes second, and it flows as a natural result of looking after people. So whether you're an experienced landlord looking to expand your portfolio or you're looking for your first buy-to-let investment, this week's show is exactly for you. We work with many landlords in the rental properties in five, some who have helped grow their portfolios and some who are just really starting out. So whatever stage you're at, you're welcome to get in touch with us throughout the process. This is why Richard, this is why Karen's on. They're part of my fundamental team and then we'll talk about uh, areas of uh, focus. So we're going to talk about focus and finance. We're also going to talk about knowing your stuff, knowing exactly what you think and where to uh, focus on. We're going to talk about um, Cash is King. We're also going to talk about popularity wins and then also, also find a carer. So this is all quite interesting subjects, but we'll be able to cover these quite uh, quite naturally in this process. Morning, Jordan. How are you? Morning, Jimmy. Thanks for watching. And morning, James. Welcome aboard. James is a good property investor, uh, looks after his tenants a lot well and concentrates, I think, in the Glenrothes area. You can maybe correct me about that, James. So well, let's talk about, first of all, about focus and finance. So it's sensible to decide which part of the rental market you want to focus on. If you're looking to rent to families, do some research around the best local schools. 
Offering a home in a catchment area with an outstanding rated school can give you plenty of demand as diligent parents move move heaven and earth to get their children the best education. I mean, we've seen that, Richard, in, in St Andrews, haven't we? You know, yeah. that's all about the university, isn't it? Yeah, of course, yeah. And, uh, and it is definitely about obviously having a target audience of um, tenants, whether it be working professionals or whether it's families, and finding a property in that right area where it's going to facilitate them uh, and their needs. And like I say, obviously finding that balance uh, between the tenant and the property and uh, things like obviously yeah. are perfect for and the university. It's a case of taking yourself to which market you're after. But yeah. fundamentally for myself, I, I mean, I've not really thought about anything. One thing I don't do is student lets. One thing, another thing I don't do and I stay away from is service accommodation holiday lets. Yeah. I do not do any of these at all. I concentrate on core buy-to-let residential. I eat, sleep and breathe it. That's all I care about. I'm no interested in student lets. I'm no interested in shiny penny. I'm not interested in Bitcoin. It's yeah. a gamble. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> maybe Tesla wants to invest in it, but I'm certainly <laughs> not going near it. Anyway, or do you want young professionals? In which case, you'll need a good transportation connections nearby with the places to enjoy the neighbourhood. An excellent local coffee shop, pub, Sunday roasts, a great selection of ales and weekend breakfast spots are all high on the lifestyle criteria of busy singles and couples. Whichever market you like to explore, check out the demand with local letting agents and which types of rental property have the continuous shortage. That's the key here, to watch out for the ones that have a continuous shortage because you've obviously got a lot more people chasing you've got higher demand for a property and it's trying to assess that um okay so where can you find these homes in the neighborhood and what's a good target even though it's tempted to rush out and view potential properties having your finance in place will first give you the confidence in knowing exactly what you can afford and how to help you help you move on and to your opportunity quickly so i mean the key here is i mean you know for yourself richard what areas in fife are the best areas to focus on yeah I think um, at the moment, obviously, there are certain areas that, that stick out to me. And it is easy for uh, landlords and new investors just to think, oh, I've purchased a property somewhere, I've stick a tenant in it. But you really need to do your, your research and speak to agents that know the areas and are on the ground and know where there's a shortage of certain properties and what's in demand. And I think, obviously, areas like Glen Office at the moment, Cooper as well, these areas are, are in high demand and we have low stock in these areas at the moment. East Nuke particularly as well, isn't it? Yeah, East Nuke as well. Sorry, yeah, but yeah. East Nuke actually, that should have been top of my list to be fair. But um, yeah, and then areas like Cooper are great for working professionals, the commuter links and things as well. Areas like Glen Office are good with the uh, schools and then St Andrews as well, obviously, with the uh, Madras and things. But then how, do, how does anybody assess exactly? I mean, I, I think about it now and I go back to when I first started. So the first thing I did was I didn't actually buy anything. I just put an advert on a paper. And actually just tested the market. I put an advert out there, or Gumtree would be the equivalent now. I put an advert on Gumtree for the first time and just said, one and two bedroom flats, Aberhill, you know, um, uh, unfurnished, furnished, uh, a DSS welcome. That's it. That's all I put. And I just put my telephone number and I gauged the reaction from there. And yeah. that that then let me work out exactly. So when people started phoning, um, I then started to say, okay, so, you know, what rent level? And then we worked out, I worked out the rent level at the time was 280 uh, per calendar month for a one bedroom. So then I worked out myself, okay, the rent level is 280. There's enough demand for it. So what do I go and look for around the value 280? What was my next steps from that? And we'll talk about that in terms of finance and cash is king. But, yeah. but ultimately, um, what about things like, um, let, let's talk about areas. I mean, what type of properties would you go for then? What's the most popular properties? 
At the moment, you're looking at uh, three bedrooms or two and three bedrooms, semi-detached terrace houses are quite popular at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we've got a big shortage of that and a high demand in Glenrothes area. Um, and there's a, a few properties at the moment where I've got investors looking and picking up these types of properties in that area because they know they're in high demand. And they get quite a good return as well. You're getting, uh, you're picking them up at a good price point in Glenrothes, and you're also getting uh, a good rental value at the moment as well because of the increased demand. Yeah. So what I mean, what primarily would anybody go for if they were looking for? If you were your first time buy, what would you go for? I would probably recommend at the moment a three three bedroom terrace or semi detached house. Mm -hmm. And why would that be the case? Well, I think that the family setup you've got, or even the extra room, if it is working professionals, I think they've got extra room if they're working from home, which is a big thing now. Um, and again, obviously, young families, three bedrooms, and these areas obviously are good links with schools and uh, transport links and things as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ultimately, I mean, that's 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 what it comes down to, really, doesn't it? Okay, so let's look at some numbers then, because we talk about finance in there and, and focus on finance. So we'll just quickly look at some of the products that are available in the market with, uh, I mean, the Mortgage Works is probably the exact one I would be looking for just now. So I'm just going to share my screen on the Mortgage Works by the beauty of technology. <laughs> um, we'll look at the Mortgage Works. Can everybody see that okay, the Mortgage Works? Yeah, I can see that. Perfect. Okay, so there's the Mortgage Works. I mean, there's a typical buy to let, isn't it? So mm -hmm. typical product finder on the mortgage works, buy to let. Um, you do have there as well, you have buy to let large portfolios, uh, let to buy, limited company buy to let. I'm going to choose limited company buy to let. You can see clearly there on a normal buy to let mortgage, which is in your personal name. Now, there's reasons that you sometimes won't do it in your personal name. If you're a higher rate taxpayer, if you're doing a lot of interest only mortgages, you might not want to do that. There's reasons behind that. We can't go into full details, but I'll maybe do another show on this or I'll maybe do a, a session on this. But you can see there we've got, deals um at, you know arrangement fee um is two thousand pound two year and it's 1.59 percent interest only 65 percent 65 percent loan to value that's in other words you'll get 65 percent of the property or the value um uh, paid for um, by the bank they'll give you the lending on that 75 percent as well at two percent and 1.64 um we'll quickly jump on to limited companies as well so if I jump onto limited companies, see limited companies are a bit of a ruse because they obviously jump up in value. Um, I'll just do a wee quick refresh on that. So product finder, limited company by Tillet, um, and see where it takes us with that. Search by client type. Okay, so see that with limited companies, 75% loan to value, 2000 fee, and 319 now this is the this is the this is the range I'm going to use just now today to talk about any calculations when I show you my spreadsheets. There is other ones there with a lower finance rate of a thousand pound arrangement fee, three point four nine, seventy five percent loan to value in limited company. And as you go up, you've got five year deals at three point seven four, seventy five percent, and a thousand pound down as well. So that tends to be where we are in terms of the finance. Um, okay. So finance is key here when we talk about that, and I'll and, and I'll bring I'll bring you on to that next. So I think the most important point here is talk to an experienced mortgage broker. Really, yeah. that's what it comes down to. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think, is that the best advice, Karen? Yeah, definitely. I think you need to know where you stand before you start delving into things. Like especially, just you need to make sure your finances are in place, so you're not you're going in on the best foot and not taking something on that's going to be over your head, basically. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's it. And we have the right people with the right team because I've been using them myself. So I've, I've put them through the mill a bit. 
<laughs> you know how perfectionist I am? I have to have every single thing in a row in order to know that the result is going to be what I expected when I started the journey in the beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I've been putting them through the mill. I've been putting my mortgage broker through the mill for two years. And I said to him, at some point in time, you're going to have to get paid for this. And he says, he, what he says to me, and I didn't care if it's an insult or no, he says, you've got to get, you've got to kiss enough frogs to get your prince. <laughs> <laughs> what, am I a frog? <laughs> and, it, and that's exactly it. He says, didn't worry about it, Jim. You know, I'm okay with it. Um, at some point in time, we will do business together. But that's the key here is to get, is to make sure you know the result before you start the journey. And this is the process we do all the time, or I do all the time. And I teach other people to do that as well. So you'll find a mortgage broker invaluable in sifting through all the various lending criteria. So you don't have to spend time trawling Google or comparison sites. I mean, there's also uh, BM Solutions, which is the Birmingham Midshires, which is owned by the Royal Bank of Scotland, or maybe the Bank of Scotland now. I'm not sure if we took over who. And uh, the mortgage works is owned by the Nationwide. Um, that's just been me geeky as usual, because I get business orientated and find out who owns what. And um, I tell you what, though, uh, this is an interesting one about who owns what. Um, before you take your advice off someone and you listen to them, even me included, do your research on that person first. The amount of times that people have come to me and said they are gurus at what they're doing and they know what they're doing, and then I look at their company accounts because you can see their public records on, on you know limited companies on the company's house. You look at their company accounts and effectively, excuse my friends, they've not got a pop to piss in. Why yeah, would I be giving advice off of something yeah. like that? You know, See, I know, yeah. I know what to do, and I know how to do it. And it's like, but you're broke. You, you how could you teach me? You could, I could maybe pick up some wee finite bits that you picked up of somebody else that's been more successful than you. But I, you can't teach me anything, really. If you're broke, that's really what it comes down to. Okay, so we're talking about finance um, as well as mortgages. Make sure you get money in place with associated costs of purchasing the property. We'll talk about that as well. Um, um, associated cost with purchasing the property, what, that, what would that be, Richard? Well, obviously, you've got your, uh, if you've got a mortgage broker and things in place, you've got that in place. Then also solicitor fees for conveyancing, for purchasing properties as well. So you need to take all that into consideration um, and not just look at, obviously, your purchase price, because uh, there are additional costs that go with that. And if you're going over 140000 um, and stamp yeah. duties back in place, then... Place. Or what is it called? LLBT. Yeah. Land and building strategy. Oh, just, just got a stamp duty. We all know what we're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so if you go over 140,000 and the stamp duty is back in place, then you will pay stamp duty on a purchase as well. Plus the fact you'll pay additional dwelling supplement, which is 4%. You'll yeah, pay that automatically. Home tax a lot of people. And we'll factor that into my equation as well when we're talking about the numbers. As well as renovations uh, you intend to carry out, I mean, that's an important one as well, the capital renovations. Never start a building project without having the cash to complete it. That's the key here. You need to have the cash. We'll maybe briefly touch on attracting finance. Because a lot of people start out and say, I've not got any money. You know, how do I start? Because everybody's running about going, oh, we can we can make tons of money by getting other people. And it's like, well, OK, um, I'll tell you last night I heard it for the first time. You know, um, I, apologies, Glenn, but I'm going to say this. Glenn, actually, with his Ferraris and everything like that, he has been made bankrupt for the third time. Runs a property academy. Bankrupt for the third time. What, what, what can he teach you? Absolutely nothing. So third time, Glenn. Third time lucky. Afraid not. Okay, so that's the key as well, is listen to somebody that's got a tracker. Watch out for the people that have got the Ferraris. Watch out for the people that have got the Bentleys. All the rest of it, it's look behind the curtain and find out exactly how these people tick. It takes me years 
to invest in someone with my time and effort to learn from them. It takes me years to think about who they are, what they do and how they do it in order to see if that's somebody I want to learn from. That's the that's the key here as well. Okay, if you end up having to halt the works until you until you're in funds again, you could lose all your contractors as they head off to other jobs. So cash is king when it comes to that, and I'll talk about that as well. Leaving you with an empty property, no rent, and mortgage payments due. That's another one as well. I mean voids. Yeah, you have a void period. You've got more the mortgage payments. You've also you'll get hit for council tax eh, after a period of exemption as well if the property is sitting too long. So you really need to have your ducks in a row and your finances sorted out so that you know I've got money here to do X, Y, and Z that needs to be done in the property to get turned around and on the market as quick as possible. I see Stephen's asking how much should I keep in a maintenance fund? Yeah, thanks for asking, Stephen. Well, we'll come to that, by the way, if you could just put that on hold just now. Um, and Jordan says, yep, he's absolutely skinned. <laughs> 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 we to try to finance, Jordan. Don't worry about it. Um, I, I, I can't cover everything in here. You've got to realise that. Um, if anybody wants me to run a session later on, please feel free to say, can you run a session later on? And I'm, I'm, if I've got enough demand, I'll probably do something. I'll put something together and then, then we'll take it from there. Other than that, this is probably the one and only time you'll ever get access to what I'm about to say. Most people will sit down with me on a one-to-one -one basis as we talk individually. And I talk about their strategy and what they want to achieve. And then I show them how to get it. And then they go, oh, my God, I didn't realize you could do that. <laughs> it's amazing the amount of times I hear that. Because everybody, this is a classic, everybody goes away and they think they should buy the biggest property possible and they think they should buy it in wonderful areas. Like, I've got to say St Andrews. You know, a lot of people say they could, oh, I need to buy one in St Andrews. And I'm like, why on earth would you want to buy in St Andrews and tie all your capital up? That's yeah. crazy. You could leverage your income a lot more by investing in other areas across Fife. I'm only going to talk about Fife because the reason for me is my strategy works on the principle that I'm in travelling distance of everything that I've invested in. That's the key here. I do not run away to other ends of the country to invest in property, which is, you know, that's a complete waste of time if you're, if you're doing this efficiently. And I'll talk about how to do things efficiently as well, how to make offers efficiently, how to make offers and get them accepted without actually walking in the door. Maybe that's for another session. Uh, and <laughs> how to get money off a property before you've even walked in the door as well. Yeah. Maybe that's for an initiation. Anyway, so the key here is, uh, we've kind of exhausted the thing on focus and finance just now, yeah? Yeah. Probably the main details, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, what's the cover, so? So I think the one as well is know your stuff. I mean, know your stuff is key here. Whether you're handling... Uh, um, whether you're handling uh, all the management yourself or employing a management agent, this is key here as well. You're either an investor or you're a landlord. Pick one, I would say, and there's pros and cons. We'll just talk about them now. Okay, you're, a man, you're managing them yourself or a managing agent. Keep your portfolio in a single area. And neighbouring postcodes make life much easier. Um, increase your local knowledge and your familiarity can save you hours of research on local property prices, protecting you from misinformation and being overly hopeful. Managing a portfolio also requires a trusted circle of reliable contractors who can leap to your aid when an emergency hits and keeping your portfolio close together will save you hunting for contractors in multiple locations. Isn't that right, Karen? Trusted contractors is a big, big thing, isn't it? It's definitely. If you've got a tenant that's got something broken down, like their boiler stopped working in winter, you need a contractor that you trust that can get there quickly to help them or you're going to have an unhappy tenant. <laughs> I, that's it ultimately and and it takes you and we're still working on that just now aren't we 
you know, this is. I mean, it's something that will always continue to grow. Like as your as our portfolio properties grow, we're always going to need more contractors to take on because we've got the demand there for them. It's really, it's really, and it's testing them and testing them and testing them. And and I I do put my hand up to this. I take the hit most of the time for a bad contractor because we'll start somebody out for the first time on one of my properties before we actually introduce them to anyone else's properties in our portfolio that we'll manage for other landlords. You know, that's yeah. the key here. Um, I I would I would hate I would hate for anybody to get to get uh, to be affected financially as a result of my poor decision making. So that's why that's why they're all tested on me first before they actually get rolled out to anybody else. So if they are not that good, you know, some contractors can blow their mouth off all the time, but the reality is you eventually find the good ones. You make sure you pay them well. You make sure they pay them on time every time. They are not in business to be a credit controller. They're not there to chase you continuously for money. So that's a key point as well. It's paying your contractors on time every time. If they do a good job, I mean, I just had somebody that they know, Jeff, actually fitted a kitchen for me and he's done everything. And he says, I'm just about to submit the bill. Who has submitted it? Chuck into me, Jeff. I says, I'll wait. We'll either have to go around and inspect the property just to see if everything's all right. We'll phone the tenant or, well, you could send photographs into me of the whole job. Um, entirely up to yourself. Either way, I will pay you like that. And that's the key as well about building cash and being profitable in what you're doing. You're not being profitable so you can go and run out and buy a Ferrari. Maybe you could do that later on with a lot of properties. But the key here is to be profitable. So when you have to dip your hand in your pocket for a new kitchen, a new heating system, a new roof, a new bathroom, new double glazing, anything like that, you've got the cash to do it. That's mm -hmm. why you need to be profitable in what you're doing. But maybe I just think a different way. 27 years, success leaves clues, as Stephen Brown says. <laughs> Stephen, I think you're watching. Um, imagine needing uh, five different groups of contractors for your five rental properties in five cities trying to deal with that. I mean, that's why you would keep everything in one location, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think like you just to touch on what you're saying about contractors, it works to our advantage that we have properties we could test out contractors and establish the, the reliable and, and uh, fast reacting contractors. And again, contractors that are uh, very, very compatible with their pricing as well. Obviously, prices vary so much between contractors. So to find that uh, is quite good. And obviously, we've built up great relationships with uh, contractors over the years. So, um, yeah, that's, that does work to our advantage that we could do that. And obviously, our contractors list is quite, quite expansive now, but that's took a lot of years to build. Yeah, I noticed David had actually said service contract with the Scottish Gas Boilers. Um, yeah, absolutely, David. For some people with one or two properties, they like the idea of the service contract. For somebody like myself, I actually just take the risk. You know, the reality is um, for the amount of properties I've got and the amount of money I pay on service contracts, then I just take the risk that a boiler will break and I'll just replace it straight away. Um, if my insurance excess as well, because I've got so many properties, is like I, the, the insurance I run is just if the house burns down. You know, I've got a thousand pound excess on it because I don't see the point of having two hundred fifty pound because my my insurance will go sky high as a result, and I offset in different ways. You know, so it's it's risk reward in terms of how you're investing, in terms of how you do that. But it depends on what strategy. It depends on what you've got. I mean, I can't talk about anybody personally, but that's why I don't use service contracts. That's why I, I have a high insurance um, uh, uh, limit as well, and um, obviously to minimise all these costs to me, which are which are normal overheads, normal brand costs. And again, I'll show you and I'll factor that into my cash flow forecast as well and show you that on a day-to-day -day basis. Karen, you were going to say something there. 
Um, it was just key point as well about contractors is building that trust up with them, just so, like I said, you've got them there that they can if something goes wrong, you know, you can go out. Or like you've got people have lives, so if you've got a tenant that's out at work, you know, you can they can leave for the contractor to go in and you can trust them to be in that property. The only thing I would say with service contracts to watch out is sometimes you're paying per month and you're also have to pay for them to go out to the property. So sometimes it swings and roundabouts, sometimes it'll work out well for you and other times you're taking a hit on it. So my advice is do your research on what's, what you're getting for your service contract. Well, that's a cheeky one, eh? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, wait a minute, I thought I was just paying an insurance policy for, for every month and then all of a sudden you're going to charge me. It's like that's yeah. a small print, isn't it? And what we find with service, I mean, service and home care packages and things like British Gash and things are good for certain individuals. Uh, people like yourself, Jim, have bigger portfolios, it doesn't really add up. But also, they also assume that the gas safety record is included with that. And it turns out it's not, it's a service check. And a service yeah. check is entirely different to a, a safety check. Um, and some, some people don't realise the difference in that. And maybe novice landlords and, and things don't realise there is a difference and it needs to be a safety check and they think it's included in the home care. It's good advice because at the end of the day, every penny is a prisoner. You know, yeah. because, and, and, and I don't say that again, I come back to saying every penny is a prisoner because in case you need to put it into a kitchen, in case you need to put it into a bathroom, in case you need to put it into something else for the property, I would rather actually have it aside in order to do that. You know, when other things as well, when when I get a wrangle with somebody about not being able to pay their rent or they deliberately not pay their rent, it's like, well, the only person losing out is the next person that will put that into a kitchen. It's not yeah. going to affect my lifestyle because I take a fixed amount of my, my business every day or every month as an employee. That's it. That's a discipline I do. I just take a normal salary or normal agent fee out of my portfolio and that's all I live on. I don't throw caution to the wind and, you know, hey, I'm going to get a Bentley or, a, <laughs> or an Aston Martin. If that's the type of person you are and you've only got a few properties, then you're on a loser straight away. But I'll talk about that. I'll talk about that and what I've read over the years as well because I've got quite a lot of books sitting around me. Um, uh, and I'll talk about that as well. So if you're using a managing agent, the whole point is to give yourself less work. The fewer con uh, points of contact, the easier it is for you to talk about your portfolio and closer relationship, resulting in more opportunities around to get. And landlords who want to uh, who want uh, to sell often speak to their managing agent first to see if they know another landlord who will buy the property without the hassle of going to open market and frightening away the tenants. We have people like that. Yeah. You know, we have landlords looking to sell, but are the landlords... If you're, uh, 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 there's a difference here. There's an investor yeah. and there's a landlord. So an investor actually takes their money, they give it to us, we buy a property for them, we look after it, we manage it all the way through. They do not get involved in it at all. We get a good return for them. And I'll talk about that in my, my, my spreadsheet later yeah. on, what, how, the, how these returns can pan out. As an investor, you have no attachment to it at all. It is just a pure investment. I would rather be an investor, to be honest, because my time's more valuable using it on something else. Actually finding more properties and finding other properties, for me, it will give me the required return. So once you get that model as an investor in place and you know that how to do that, you know, it's just all ducks in a row, you can easily do that every single time. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And a lot of people talk about rinse and repeat, you know, but I genuinely mean it. I do that all the time. Um, I'll give you an example. I bought three properties last month and I'll talk about why I bought them and I'll show you the numbers of why I bought them. I'm not caring where they are. It's a numbers game to me. And I know I know the occupancy rates because Richard's told me the occupancy rates. Richard's told me the rental values and one of them's uh, occupied just now, but the other two aren't occupied. 
and um, I, I bought them the three of them just just like that because I knew the numbers made sense and the formula was in place. Okay, so as and a landlord itself, a landlord is a person that's hands on, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's there, there obviously there's a big difference between a, a landlord and an investor. And landlords sometimes are a wee bit more um, obviously emotionally attached. Sometimes, I mean, they've they've not got a big portfolio. They've maybe got one or two properties and um, like to be a lot more involved. And sometimes they could even be a landlord without even intending to be. I mean, people get in house, houses that are inherited, or do you know what I mean? And circumstances like that, or um, if it's they're moving on for work or something. Do you know what I mean? And that leads that emotional connection to the property as well, which can cause a wee bit of problems because you need to divide your emotions from the actual property and, and look at it then as obviously an investment and not be still too attached to it if it's been your former home or it's been somebody that a family member's home. Yeah. Yeah, that, that could be difficult. And that's that a, is a key point, isn't it? It's to understand mm -hmm. it's to get over the emotional impact of the 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 fact that you've got something invested in this and take it personally this yeah. is another this is a whole different chapter about how to learn that mindset of not taking things personally and how to step back and look at the commercial reality one of the most important books in mindset is think and grow rich napoleon hill do you know i've had this for over and actually look at kanachi crescent is my original address and it actually had an 01333 oh no sorry 0333 number so it didn't actually have the one. And look at all the look at this. Look at all the wee bookmarks. Look at all the wee bookmarks. All the way through. So I can just I leave all these books round about the house every single day. I've read this book about 50 times, but I get something new in it every single time. How to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie. I'm still working on that, by the way. <laughs> I need to reread that quite a lot. How to win friends and influence people, especially how to win friends. But look, yeah, I've like all, highlighted all the way through, all the way through, so I can open at any point in time. Now this sits on my WC. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't want to give that. But that, that sits where it is, and it sits all around the house. So when I park myself, excuse it, <laughs> I can actually go back and I sit and read all the underlying points, all the points I thought was salient about that book. I actually did one of the other best books that I got was Anthony Robbins' Note from a Friend. I got this for nothing. And this book set me free. Oh, my goodness. Anthony Robbins, Notes from a Friend. One of his first books that he ever wrote, Anthony Robbins. Uh, one of the key ones, Rich Dad. Everybody goes on about Kiyosaki, Rich Dad. Keith Cunningham is the Rich Dad. So keys to the vault and successful business. He knows his stuff all the time. This is Rich Dad itself. The two of them fell out. It's a long story. <laughs> so he's no credited with... with thing, uh, he's no credited with... I, I can't mind what it is that Kiyosaki wrote. Um, but but he's not credited with that anymore because he's he's obviously fell out with each other. Um, one of the other ones, Andy Shaw. You know, Andy Shaw was absolutely brilliant. Money for nothing and your property for free. Unfortunately, Andy lost 300 properties in the crash because there was a strategy in here that he did every year that actually he shouldn't have done. And I actually looked at it and thought, I wouldn't be doing that. Um, but he did it, and that's why he lost it. Um, but he's got a lot of good stuff in here as well. I, liked Andy, I like Andy Shaw, and Andy's a friend uh, on my Facebook um, and I let regularly see him. He does bug-free mind now, um, which is about the mindset and everything. Uh, but that's a fantastic book as well. I invested 20 quid in that book. And I tell you, that probably made me about three or 400,000 pounds over a period of time, just with the knowledge it acquired for that 20 quid book. And I've still got it. And that's the key here. Property, investing in property. Now, investing. Investing in property is like writing a book or recording a song. 
you do it once. You pass it on to a letting agent and you let them make the money and pay them well for doing that. And you make a small amount every single time a royalty and you have nothing else to do with it. And again, we'll come back to talking about the numbers, what you can achieve and what you can make. But that's what property investment should be like. Other people just want to get involved in it and they just want, I just want to get my hands dirty. Why not just go out and get a job somewhere else? Because effectively, that's what you're getting. And if that's what you want to do, fair enough. But I certainly didn't want to get my hands dirty now. I've done it in the very beginning where I worked 160 hours a week. And sometimes I was actually in that much of days that I didn't know what planet I was on because I was working as a financial controller full time. And then I was coming straight home and I was working constantly on my houses after that with my overalls and my, my painting gear and everything, get them in my car and get cleaning everything. I've literally done that from start to finish. And I know which one I like better. The investor processes are like better because I know my stuff now. I know what to do. I know the formula. I understand it completely. So it's a case of pressing each button systematically in that process to get the desired result at the end. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a, it's a rinse and repeat process, like you said. Rinse and repeat is overly used, though, when you think about it, Richard, because a lot of people actually talk about this. Buy, refurbish, rent, re it's like repeat. And then because I talk about it, they go, oh, that must be, he must, he must know exactly what, Jim Parker knows as well. Does he hell? <laughs> Again, that's what I come back to saying about you know, check out their background and look at their limited company and see how money they're actually worth. You know, I think, uh, I think in the latter part of this uh, show, people will learn obviously rinse and repeats a different process to you. Yeah, and to how we would advise people to work things. So. Uh, Jordan makes an actually good point. If an owner uses an letting agent, can he still have the final say which tenant goes in? Absolutely, oh, Jordan. Yeah, is, yeah. Uh, do you want to answer that, Karen? Do you want to answer that question? <laughs> so we we obviously do the referencing process. We meet the tenant. We reference them all. But ultimately, whenever we have a tenant going into the property and taking that to the landlord, they get a little summary of it. Obviously, I've done to make sure everything is suitable with them, that they get the final say they get an idea of who's going into their property and I want to make sure that they're going to be happy with that as well. I mean, I want to know what they have for breakfast. That's yeah. ultimately it, because that could affect what's going on. But... No, but you know what I mean? That's how... Yeah, it's, exactly. it's like, wait a minute. And people go, is that no evasion of their privacy? It's like, wait a minute. It's my house. Yeah. It's my biggest tax for the asset. Surely I would get to decide what goes and what doesn't it. You tend to find it. You tend to find through that process, if people are really serious about taking on a property and, and they're going to be a good tenant, they'll be quite open and transparent and they'll provide you with any information they want. They'll come in and chat. I mean, Karen, we've had people in the office and it's good to have a mixture of not just on paper reference, but also that face-to-face -face meet, meet, meeting a person and getting a feel for their character. Like, Karen, we've had people in office with their pets and you know who are the good tenants and who people that are only forthcoming and feel like they're holding back there's a reason for that, and that's when you need to pick up on these things. So it's a alarm bells. It's yeah. alarm bells that start ringing as soon as certain questions are asked, and they, they it's the answer given. We know straight away. Again, it's a formula. This is all very structural. Oh, floats my boat. I'll tell you, it's very <laughs> structural. It's very logical. It can't go any different. There is only certain answers certain people can give in certain situations. And if you don't give that right answer, we know straight away there's something up. We yeah. know the next question to ask after that and after that and after that. I have clinically put this system together 
over the years to make that happen so we don't get caught out because of all the mistakes I've made and possibly the hundreds of thousands of pounds I have lost personally <laughs> in order to prove this system. But I'm, I'm one for proving things all the time because I'm happy doing that because I love to get the right answer right so I can keep going and keep going and keep going because it's like training for the first time. When you go out and train to run a 5K, you didn't get off your, well, you go out and train to run a marathon. You didn't get off your couch straight away and go, I'm off to run a marathon. No. <laughs> you go, I tell you what, I'll get off my couch and I'll do some walking for 5K every day and I'll work out for there and then I'll do some running and then I'll build up to 5K and then once I've got 5K, I'll build up to 10K, I'll build up to 15K, I'll build up to 20K, I'll build up to the half marathon, I'll build up to a marathon and then I'm there. That's it. But you had to start and you had to practice. But I've done all the practice. I've spent all the money. Yeah. This is the formula. And really, that's what we do and that's how we do it. That's why we're so clinical and, and logical in our processes. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. Uh, sorry, it comes back to the due diligence in the, in the first instance. And a big part of a successful tenant, tenancy is having the right tenant in the first place and keeping that relationship and keeping them happy throughout the tenancy. Uh, you talk about Cash is King. Yeah. <laughs> we're running out soon yeah. uh, we'll need to get again as i said guys um if, if you want uh, more of this um please feel free to just say in the comments uh, and i'll talk about it so you've picked a couple of properties richard um uh, to prime examples yeah. of what what could be possible can i i'll share them just now and just talk yeah. us through them yeah i mean this one in ralston court now through the grapevine obviously this is on with uh, another agent but I, i'm aware of obviously the goodbye to let opportunities in areas i, I keep an eye on uh, that and keep my thumb on things to make sure I could then obviously pass these on to potential investors. Ralston's in quite a good area, brilliant buy to let area. This property is in good condition. Um, it's not a previous let, so obviously you would need to do things like the electrics and, and etc. But three bedroom, end terrace property in Glen Northus, you're going to have a rental return of about £600 a month for a three bedroom now. Uh, this one's had a lot of interest, as I've heard through the grapevine. Um, I actually believe it's probably going to a closing, but just as an example, is a good, uh, and it's a lot of investors that I know that have uh, been putting in offers for it. So yeah, um, so yeah, definitely a good example of a buy to let investment in the Glen Office area. Like I say, um, six hundred pounds per calendar month. Okay, easily. so let's let's show another one. Um, if I can, by the beauty of technology, um, the Annadale Gardens. Yeah, Annandale. Kevin, this is similar to the one that we've got coming on the market. We've got one, I think it's I think it's just in the next row, um, as part of um, one of my new investors' portfolios, that the stuff that's coming on. So I thought this was a good example as well. Again, on the market, price point about the 78. Again, three bedroom, you're around about the 600 mark. Uh, perfect family home. It's uh, New Annandale is right next to local amenities. The school's just up the road. So this is a perfect example of a buy-to-let investment for family. Yeah, James says flat roofs put me off, but I mean, to be honest, uh, flat roofs actually get you a cheaper price. Yeah, and, I know. and believe it or not, it's the same rent return. So flat roofs are a cheaper price, it's a different type of build, um, it's fine, but it actually gives you the same amount as a three bedroom somewhere else would give you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it, gives you the, it gives you the same amount of rent um, as a, 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 non, a, con, a conventional build property. I know the flat roofs put people off. Um, I think as long as it's in decent condition and it's obviously uh, in a state of repair then you're fine uh, and like you say there's yeah. still good sized properties and there's a lot of these builds in Glen office and so why would we be talking about another other agents properties because you know wait a minute we're not selling our own but the reality is i mean oh, they're good back to the investments yeah. and i'm not going to know promote them to investors just because absolutely that's the key here i mean at the end of the day 
we're no bothered where the property comes from as long as the numbers make sense for you and as long as the strategy is right for you personally. It's it's we'll endorse anything and everything. You know, yeah, so let's get true. let's get to the nitty gritty and talk about cash is king. Cash flow is the most yeah. important thing in any business, and the lack of it causes many companies to fail. If your rental uh, property becomes a monthly drain in your finances, the entire experience of being a landlord will be tainted for by money concerns. Most landlords become fixated on capital growth. No, don't get fixated on capital growth. Forgetting about the yield and forget. Listen, if anybody talks to you about gross yield and they're using a mortgage, they're talking. Shite. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. Aye. Because gross yield and a mortgage don't actually compute. Gross yield's only important if you're actually paying cash for I a property. Yeah. Yeah. It's if you're using a mortgage and basically it's net yield, bottom line, net margin you're looking at. If you want to skew your financial future for yourself, then clearly the value of your property is a factor, but it's largely out of your control, remember. Your rental yield is a vital component of sustainable lens portfolio. Uh, that's net yield, remember, if you're using mortgages, and will help you build an emergency fund for unexpected problems and regular maintenance. Exactly what I spoke about. So actually having that money aside to do that. You know, it's not about having the money aside to go and buy yourself a fancy car or a bigger house or anything like that. That can come with the normal day-to-day -day stuff later on. And you will be able to do that, but but you know, don't run out and buy that Ferrari yet. Uh, imagine having it to dip into your own pockets for every issue or repair. It's amazing the amount of people that actually say that to me. It's like if the mortgage can just cover the rent or the rent cover the mortgage, and I'm like, oh my god, you shouldn't be in buy to let. Your tenant is going to suffer as a result of your thinking, because the reality is. Your mortgage, your rent is never going to just cover your mortgage because you have to pay tax if it's a capital repayment mortgage because that's where most people say that. So you'll still be faced with a tax bill even though your mortgage is the same value as your rent. Work that one out. But I could tell anybody about that if they want to ask about that later. Okay, so let's look at some numbers. A property's rental income will must cover of its monthly outgoings and leave you enough profit or cash to reinvest in, in building the wealth. This is probably something I've learned over the years from our experience in industry as a financial controller. This is all about margin. This is all about profitability. This is all about occupancy rate. This is cash is king. You know, you know, turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash flow is king here. There's no money until there's no profit until there's money in the bank. That's what it comes down to. And particularly, and, and, and regularly uh, avoiding voids as well. I think that's the most important thing, particularly those with rates that are as low as they are right now. So watch out for capital repayment mortgages versus interest-only mortgages. If you get it wrong, you could be pacing, facing that tax bill with no money to pay on it. Um, you could be pacing that tax bill as well. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip, but true. Pacing up down the floor thinking, oh, my God, I'm due a tax bill. Let's look at some numbers, guys, because um, I'm all about numbers here. Just about jump quickly, jump on and share my screen. Uh, so, with the um, beauty of um, technology, I have got my spreadsheet. Everybody see that? Okay. Yeah, we can see that, Jim. Yeah, it'll be good if I can get back into it though, because I'll need to do some numbers. Here we go. Okay, so we've got a typical property like you were talking about. Right, let's talk about St Andrews to begin with. So we've got one property. How much is an average flat in St Andrews? Two hundred thousand. Yeah, it's about two hundred. Yeah. 200,000, okay. So stamp duty would be 4%, because that's the ADS. 
the additional dwell on someone. You might have an additional stamp duty on top of there as well, remember, because you're buying over 140,000, but just now you're exempt on the first set of stamp duty. Your deposit, 25%, say you're putting down. Your mortgage interest is 3.19%, as we had said. Your arrangement fee is the 2%, as we had said. Well, it's actually only 2,000 pounds, so it'll be 1.5 to make that work, possibly. Yeah, thereabouts. Um, what's your rent on a two-bedroom flat in uh, St. Andrews, Richard? Two-bed flats for about, say, 950, Mark, at the moment. 950. Okay, so 950. So the key indicators here, and what's your capital growth in St. Andrews? Probably 2% a year? Yeah. 2% will take that. Mm -hmm. And over a 10-year period in here, and then what about occupancy rate in St. Andrews? What are we thinking? 12 months of the year? Well, no, probably no. It depends if you're student lets or that, but yeah, I would probably go about 11 months. So 11. So assume 11. So there, you've got cash flow in the green sections out after the mortgage is paid of 466 a month. See, look at this gross yield, 5.2%. That's only relevant if you're actually no paying a mortgage because that's what that number is. Now, I've assumed in your overheads, you've got 15% for management fee. Now, what I mean is 15%, that's including the VAT. So that's including the VAT, and it's probably including some of the costs as well. So 15% plus 15% aside for overheads. That's things like insurance, repairs, telephone, stuff like that as well. But you'll have a lot less in terms of your repair bills or your overheads if you've got a managing agent doing it for you because you won't need to, to travel to a property. You won't need to take your time out to the property. You won't need to do other things as well. An agent would do that for you. So that might actually be down at 20%. So you can change that as well. But we'll keep it at 30 just now because I like being quite prudent about everything. So your net return on you've got there, you've got 2,400 after all your overheads and everything's taking off. But that's somebody else managing it for you. And that's a 4.2% net return on your deposit. Now, remember, your deposit is the money down there. See total money down fifty eight thousand. That's the that's the deposit fifty thousand plus the eight thousand in terms of the stamp duty you've had to pay. Okay, so over a ten year period at two percent appreciation, uh, you have twenty four thousand pound profit, forty thousand pound capital appreciation. So that gives you on your initial equity investment at fifty thousand because the the, 50, the eight, eight grand throwing money away at stamp duty. But but we do do that in terms of the money invested in the beginning to, to for the net return every year. So your return on investment over the years is 111%. But let's take it down a bit. So what, what about Cooper, Richard? What's our average property in uh, Cooper? An average property in Cooper you would rent? Two-bedroom flat? Uh, Two-bedroom flats in Cooper, yeah. We're totally talking about the 525 mark. 90,000? Yeah, 85, 90, yeah. 90,000, Cooper. All your numbers change, and you're talking about 525? Yeah. 525. Everything else stays the same. Occupancy rate at 11 months, we'll just assume. Um, again, look, 299 cash flow per month. Um, you've now moved up to 7.1% capital uh, net return on deposit. But look at your return on investment. is actually going up to 140%. Yeah. So by choosing a different type of tenure and property, you're actually getting a better return. So let's look, and th when you think about it as well, if you've got 58,000 in your last one at 200,000, you've only got 26,000 in this one. So if you stick that up to two now, because you can get two that way, that'll take you 52,000 in, which is that number here, if anybody can see that. So you've now got 52,000 in. So the same amount of money as you had in St. Andrews, you've now got somewhere else. You've now got almost double the return, 7.1%. And then you've now all, you've got 140% return on investment. So that's how that's how that would work. So, um, what about um, what about leaving? Let's take you to leaving, Richard. What what, yeah. what property in leaving? How much would be a property in leaving? 
Now we'll do a two bed flat and leaving and we're doing them about four, four, seven, five. Sixty. Oh, yeah, sixty. Well, yeah, sixty-five. I was going to say, but yes, five. Yeah, we'll see sixty-five. Benefit the doubt. Yeah. Um. Okay, your numbers change. Your arrangement fee. Let's put it up at two because it's got to get up to there. Um. Probably put it at, at, at three there because you need to get that a bit more. So that that would be there. Um. Now, cash flow every month on that property is three hundred. Your net return now, after everything else has stayed the same, your overheads and your management fee, you're now 11%. Wow. You've only got 18,000 in in total. And then your return on investment over the 10-year period is 178% now. Okay. So let's look at, well, wait the now. You could actually buy more there. So you can get three there instead of what you did for St. Andrews. So you can get three now. So you're at three because you've now got 56,000 in. If everybody can see this number in the bottom right-hand corner, so you've got three now, you've got four, seven, five. So your cash flow every month is now going up to after the mortgage. This is after the mortgage is paid. That's the most important thing because overheads like a letting agent and your repairs and everything like that could be a bit more variable. So, But you've definitely got to pay your mortgage. So £900 a month cash flow to pay your overheads. You've now got a 11% return and you've got a 178% return on investment. Now, you can play about with this. You can take it up to 12 months occupancy and then your return jumps up to 12.7%. Now, I'll be honest, um, what are you getting in the bank just now? What's everybody else getting in the bank now? What are you getting in the bank now and you're saving, Richard? Uh, oh, nothing. <laughs> Zero. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got someone else doing it for you, okay? On a buy-to-let investment, they're doing all the work for you, and you're paying the overheads and everything like that to do it, and that's the return you're making on the money you would other had, otherwise had in the bank. Yeah, and uh, that... this is this isn't a quick fix, by the way. I'll put a wee proviso here. This isn't an easy money game. This is a medium to long term. I prefer long term. I'm all about building dynasties, but that's another story. You know, this is about generations of wealth for me. This is how I think. I don't run about in fancy cars or anything like that. I would rather invest for my children for the future. So all my family and their families will have wealth created for them later on because there'll be deadly squat from the government or help any in years to come. So I have, I know I have to do something now for everybody else. I see that a lot where um, I've got investors and things and people that come to me, they've got money in the bank, it's, uh, they're retired, their money's not doing anything in the bank. They want to kind of uh, grow that, like you say, for leaving behind for kids and things as well. Um, and as a good way of obviously putting investing your money and properties to let you go with that. Yeah. I mean, Heather talks about how about if it's full cash investment. Well, that's exactly what I said there about that's the gross return, Heather. Sometimes yeah, full cash investment's fantastic. Um, yeah. Other times it's like, well, I tell you what, rather than actually take the risk, I tell you what, um, give someone else the money to invest for you. Take a, take a security over the property as the mortgagee and you'll get a fixed rate, rate return all the time come hell or high water. I do do that with some people. I actually have some people that now that actually invest in what I do but they get a security over the property. They become the mortgagee like the bank does, and therefore they get a fixed return all the time come hell or high water. Even if the property is empty, they still get paid regardless. So that's that tends to be how full cash investments, that's how I would probably look at them. Um, I'm not a big fan of putting full cash investments in buy-to-let because obviously you can leverage your income a lot more. You know, if, you, if, if you're, only get, you're, only, you're only getting a certain amount. So I'll quickly take you back to that spreadsheet again and show you exactly what I meant by that. 
So there's your investment in this scenario here. As I said, you've only put 56,000 in here. You've leveraged your income of a net return of 12.7%. But see that gross yield, 8.8%. That is the actual yield putting in cash only. That's without using a mortgage or anything like that. That's the 8.8% as, as opposed to 12.7% you would get. You're also spreading your risk over three properties rather than actually putting it all in one. Therefore, if one of them goes down, two of them are still running and generating income. You know, that's another important thing as well, not putting all your eggs in one basket. All we are doing in this scenario is leveraging the bank's income or someone else's income as the lending source in order to get more money on the return. If you can get, if you can borrow money at 5% and you can invest it and make 12%, then you're clearly making a differential of 7% every single time on someone else's money. Pay them the 5% every single month. You know, that's the reality. But then you've got to think about that as one of your strategies, and it's all about risk-reward. I do not take risks. I take calculated risks, and I know the result before I've started the journey. Okay, so popularity wins. We're going to round up here, guys. Um, we could, I could talk all day on this. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> but we're not going to talk all day on this. Again, as I said, if anybody's wanting me to talk a bit more about this, please put something in the comments, and I'm more than happy to, to do something else with this and maybe take a workshop or something like that um, for serious investors, people that actually want to develop wealth and want to put money in and want to generate it. Uh, it's, at the end of the day, if you're putting money in and, and I'm helping you do it, my reputation's on the line, so I'll make damn sure you're successful at it. Okay, popularity wins. Being popular is rarely discussed uh, aspect of being a landlord. Really, that's what it's down to. I actually had a comment uh, last week and somebody came on and said, Jim Parker's a brilliant landlord. And I thought, there's probably another two or three people out there say Jim Parker's a terrible landlord. It's like everybody's got their own opinion at the end of the day. You can only do your best and you can't please everybody. You know, if, you, if, if, if your heating engineer, for example, can't come out on a, on a, on a Sunday because it's Christmas Day, um, you know, you can't sit there and have a go at us for it. But some people actually, I've had that before, but somebody's actually had a go at me. It's like, wait a minute, it's Christmas Day. It's like, do you want that? And I've actually appeared at somebody's property on Christmas Day to sort something and they've said to me, and how's your day going so far? <laughs> anyway, what do you think? I'm here because of a mistake you've made. <laughs> anyway, that's another story. Um, that's another thing as well. That's why all the books help you. I mean, things like Feel the Fear and Do Anyway are really important. Student Jeffers. Um, things like Success Principles as well. Success Principles by Jack Canfield that I'm actually doing an episode on. So Feel the Fear, I've done actually a 40 series episode on our YouTube channel. Um, Jack Canfield, I'm up to episode 53 of um, um, uh, the Success Principles as well. And it's talking about my personal journey and also the book as well and, uh, and going through these. And this is all about a millionaire mindset. Again, another investment um, um, YouTube channel we've got. Millionaire Mindset is actually on our channel and it, it's a 40-episode series that will tell you about my property journey, my first 40, first 40 properties. That will give you an idea about how many properties I've got. Um, and then also um, um, investment strategies as well. So investment strategies, millionaire mindset, all in there for free. You can listen to them. You can learn from them. You can learn all my mistakes. I would rather sit and watch somebody make the mistake and say, I'm not going to do that, than actually go, I tell you what, I'm going to do the mistake myself and I'm going to take the financial penalty for it and I'm going to take the loss for it. No, I'll just watch somebody else and watch them to make the snake and learn from their lessons and then implement that into what I should be doing or not, not implement that because that's the mistake. So that's the that's the thing I would I would stick to the best. Success leaves clues. Remember, listen to the people that know what they're talking about. I've got two people very versed on here that know this market inside out, and they are completely disciplined because I <laughs> I do <laughs> run, I, I do run a tight ship, don't I, guys? 
You do, but I, there's, uh, it's for good reason, obviously. Um, I'm a bit of Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> you could be at times, yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, that's the reality. You know, at the end of the day, we're playing with, we're using people's, I was going to say, playing with my money. You know, it's my money I play with. Um, but we're, we're using people's money, investing people's money, and telling them the right strategies to do to get the right returns. Hence the reason why we're now letting agent of the year. I think it's 10th time. You know, there's no there's no surprise there. Again, success leaves clues. Yeah, 10 years in a row second in Scotland. So being popular landlord is much easier than being unpopular one. The more reliable you are, the more comfortable, more experienced. And this is what we do is being there to service somebody when you need them. This is all about looking after your tenants, making sure they're looked after, making sure they've got the best of everything. Because you make sure they look after, you get paid as a natural byproduct of what you're doing. If you don't look after your tenants, guess what? You're not getting paid. Yeah. And everybody else will tell them how bad you are as a landlord or as a you know a, a, as a letting agent. That's that's what it comes down to reality, and and it will spread like wildfire right throughout the process. And therefore, no one will come to you. That's why people will recommend us all the time to everybody else. And some tenants actually will only stay with us. Yeah, we have a, we have quite a lot of loyal tenants and things. But I mean, only takes one one person to feel disgruntled and it, it, news travels fast and it's, it could really it could really upset somebody's business or even an individual landlord as themselves yeah. uh, to do something wrong. So you need to make sure you're, you're on the ball and doing things properly. It's creating a collection of well-presented, well-maintained homes that will give you several benefits. Long-term tenancies with fewer void periods, less work. You'll be continually looking for new tenants if you are or you haven't arranged check-ins, check-outs, inventories, notifying local authorities, utilities companies. If, so you want people to stay for a long time. Local letting agents will love you and will take your letting your property with genuine and profound enthusiasm because you'll make life easier to find them when you find the perfect tenant. I mean, that's the reality. I mean, you guys are bound to like me because every time you lift the phone and say, I need a new heating system, I go, I OK, then go ahead and do it. Yeah, that's one of the easy things that uh, if there's a, something needing done in your properties, then it's, uh, I mean, Kevin, I need you to, I need to yeah, it's just case of, I'm just letting you know this is getting done because <laughs> <Right. laughs> we know, I, you know what yeah. needs to, you know it'll get done. <laughs> I know I need to do it at the end of the day to, to make the money. I mean, some it swings and roundabouts. I mean, the Dury Street, for example, kitchen's going to cost me five grand. Double glazing and doors are going to cost me six grand. Heating system's just been put in at two grand. You know, I've just done that all in the space of a couple of months. Yeah. And and then I've got another one. It's uh, at 145 Taylor Street. You know, that's done as well. New kitchen done over the Christmas period. Put a new kitchen in. And then there's new another heat, one. We put new heating heat system in there last at Green Gates, there was another one put a heating, you know, another heating system as well. And it's like, I just, just do it. You know, the reality is the heating system's broken. I can't do anything about that. So just go and do it. That's why you've got to be profitable to be able to do that process and look after the people you're looking after. Remember, this is a long game. This isn't about making loads of money. This is about making, creating a lifestyle yeah. out of a long period, a long game. What you do during the day creates a living. What you do at the outside of that creates lifestyle, and that's what you're doing outside. This is what it is. D during the day, that's why some people become property investors and they give up their job and they go and work for themselves. That's the living during the day to make money, to make ends meet. What they do is they then give it over to a letting agent and the letting agent rents it for them. And then that's their lifestyle that gets built over a long period of time. So all the details are in this post, guys. We're about at the hour, and I'm going to wrap up right now because I'm wanting to get this on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so final thoughts, Richard. You've got 20 seconds. Yeah, I just, like like we've been discussing, building a portfolio is such a big topic. There's so many uh, aspects that we can discuss, and we probably will do further. Um, but just make sure that you're uh, methodical in your process and you speak to the right people about what you're doing and doing the right thing to build that portfolio properly. 
Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And Karen, you probably agree with the same thing, yeah? Yep. Just make sure you do your research and you know where you stand when you're going forward with it. Excellent, guys. Right. Okay. There's also popularity wins. It's all on this uh, link anyway. And there's also find a carer as well, which is uh, if you don't want to manage everything yourself, speak to people like this. We are actually these carers. We actually care about what you're doing and what you're getting. Thanks very much, guys, for coming on the show. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us and watching. And all the best. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye for now. Bye.